Welcome to the H2P Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here on DKPittsburghSports.com. Remember, you can find this podcast uh, just like you find all of our podcasts here on the platform, on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere. Podcasts are hosted for free. If you want to help out the, the, the platform, give us five stars, give us positive comments. Would you give us five stars? It helps out not just this show, but every show on the DKPittsburghSports.com platform. Now, Pivans. You got a bit of a break this weekend because you didn't have to watch Pitt basketball struggle. But I think it's also important to say that Pitt basketball got an important break for itself because they had been going nonstop for quite some time with games being moved, with tight schedules, back-to-back games. It was getting kind of crazy. So they had a week up. I'm going to address them more directly in the second segment of this show. But let's talk about Pitt football because spring practice is here, baby. Yeah, Monday, I'll be there. It's practice practice facility. We'll get to watch some guys doing some work. It'll be chilly. I'll be wearing sweaters. I hate being in the cold. But point being, point being, (laughs) uh, this is going to be our first chance to look at Keaton Slovis, Kanate Mumfield, us getting to see what Frank Signetti's offense might be a little bit like. Our first looks at Jordan Addison since he won his award. We're going to get to see all those new linebackers. I'm excited. This team has so many directions it can go in a positive way. But I want to talk to you for a minute about one of the most important challenges that I think falls onto not just Pat Narduzzi, but specifically Frank Signetti Jr., the new offensive uh, coordinator. Because... One thing that I wrote about, and I wrote a full preview of uh, the spring practices, so if you're interested in reading all that, go to DKPittsburghSports.com, look at the uh, top of the pit page, it'll be the top story uh, this Sunday as you're listening to this. Give you a bit of a primer for what spring ball is. Now, for those who might be unfamiliar, spring ball is, of course, when they start, you know, all the all the football teams start practicing on their own, getting things acclimated, and before they play their their, their spring game, which Pitt, Pitt has the blue and gold game, and uh, it's kind of kind of like the precursor, giving everyone a kind of look, see what they need to do, where they are, give the coaches a little bit of, you know, get some pole positioning for different position battles for when summer camp opens up later. Now. One specific challenge I think is going to be tough for this team to match, but is a good problem to have, as Mike Tomlin would sometimes tell you, is the challenge of balance. And when I mean balance, I don't just mean running the ball as much as throwing the ball, because I know that was a, a big complaint of a lot of Pitt fans last year, even though you had one of the best offenses in the country. Because I do think that's going to be part of it. But the balance is going to be trying to succeed while not, being too one one dimensional or one directional with a couple you know you're falling leaning too hard on any any of your stars because this offense has has the potential to be loaded you already know Jordan Addison is a bad man I'm telling you Kanate Mumfield he looks like a bad man Keaton Slovis is the quarterback he you don't have any problem there you know I know Nick Patty's gonna be around but I think you know this is Keaton Slovis's job to lose that's why they went and got him. 
But between Addison, between Mumfield, you still got Jared Wayne. Jalen Barden's gonna be gonna be that speedster still at the wide receiver position. Gavin Bartholomew's a lot of stuff. And then you got those three running backs that you know that you got in your backfield. Matt, you did a pretty good job divvying things up last year between. But a lot of people were wondering why wasn't Israel Abanikana? Why wasn't Izzy just getting the ball? Why was why was it that he was having to to um to, to split so many carries uh, with with the rest of the running backs, and it, it's what I wrote in the in my uh, in my preview was last year. The reason they did that was because if they make any one of those guys the bell cow and the other two guys, or or if one or the other two, if one or both of the other guys don't get their touches, what do you think is going to happen? Oh yeah, the transfer portal thing. That's because that's been happening. Yes, I think that that's actually one of the best parts of last year. That was one of those minor things that Narduzzi and Whipple and whoever else, and Andre Powell, because he's the running backs coach, whoever was part of that energy, was part of that planning, did a great job because it didn't compromise the offense. It didn't compromise the team. And they found a way to keep Vincent Davis, Rodney Hammond, and Israel Bonaconda all in the same backfield for another year. And that's, to me, that's extremely impressive because all three of those guys are talented. Vincent Davis is a speedster. I mean, Izzy's obviously the guy that's the front runner. Izzy's obviously the, you know, the, the super explosive but also hard running, you know, that, that kind of guy. But Rodney Hammond, look, 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 he was a tough man. I, uh, yeah, there, were, there were some hard runs that he gave last year. But each of these guys had a role. And that made them say, you know what, I'm valuable to this offense. I'm not being misused. People are seeing my talents. I'm going to be able to continue to grow as a player and maybe make the NFL at this rate. That was all part of the plan. But one of the biggest challenges for Pitt, I think, is going to be making sure they can succeed on offense because you won't have that quarterback that knows every part of your system that's been around for five years. You'll have a new quarterback, a new offensive coordinator, and you're going to have to find a way to make sure that these guys, these guys keep touches because, you know, and not again, not just the running backs, but make sure Jordan's getting in there, make sure Mumfield's getting in there, make sure Wayne's getting in there. And, Bar, you know, guys like Jalen Barton, like, you know, they'll get theirs when they get theirs. I think they understand their situation. Pitt has a great environment right now. When I, when I say great, I mean I don't hear the frustrations and the rumblings that I do when I – listen to other people other players talk about about their teams when i read when i'm reading about you know what other beat writers are talking about with college which college football Pitt legitimately has a good solid locker room environment where guys believe in each other they don't get mad at each other when one's feeding off the other i mean heck i don't have to even go to other beats for that i mean Pitt basketball had that last year huh. but Pitt football hasn't had that problem but i think a part of that is also being able to play the game where you are giving guys their chances. And it's not easy. I mean, it, it may sound easy like, man, that's just easy. You just, you know, you make sure you get some passes to the tight end as well as some runs and well as some passes to your first wide receiver and your second wide receiver and your third wide receiver. That's simple, Chris. Yeah, but in those situations, not all plays work. You know that. Everything looks great when you draw it up on a piece of paper, when you run it in practice and and you're running against your scout team defense. But when you start facing those 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 ACC defenses, when you start seeing those teams that have been studying you and how you've been doing things well, they're going to take some of those things away. And how do you maintain that balance can often lead to what your offense actually is able to become. 
And I say that because I truly think that if Pitt, Pitt has Pitt's offense, Pitt's team has the potential to to win the ACC Coastal again like this year. I am I am not here to downplay that, but I'm telling you, part of the challenge of doing that is going to be with this offense finding a way to make sure that Izzy gets his chances and balance him while still getting success because you want Israel Israel Abanikanda to get the ball. You want him to be able to to go off on people. But you also want Rodney Hammond to get his touches, to wear people down with how hard he runs. You also want to make sure Vincent Davis does get in the game because he gives you really he gives you some really good reps. He's developed as a pass protector. I think that might be the biggest role that he has for Keaton Slovis as he adjusts to, to the game. But then you also got to figure out, you know, Keaton Slovis, don't get too stuck on Jordan Addison. Make sure Mumfield's getting work in there. Make sure you 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 you, you get Jared Wayne in there, and don't leave Gavin Bartholomew off. But sometimes a team can get caught up trying to be too cute and trying to divvy things out and trying to hand things out because they're gonna like we're oh we're trying to get it to this guy, and meanwhile you're trying so hard to get it to one guy that maybe you missed an opportunity where the guy who has been killing for you. Say Jordan Addison has three touchdowns in a game and he could have four, but you try to get cute to get Jared Wayne one because you want to appease people and then you make a mistake. And that's the balance that I'm talking about. Not just about dividing the ball, but making sure you're doing so without compromising your game plan. Now, I'm no coach and wizard or nothing like that. I'm not even a coach. But talking to coaches and being raised by one, I can tell you that kind of stuff, it ain't easy. It sits on your brain. You study film. You watch practices. You study the practice film. You go through all these different things, and you think you could have it down. But then you make the one big mistake in the one game that may cost your team you know, a chance to, to win the Coastal. And then everyone's looking at looking at you and saying, man, what a wasted year because you missed this one opportunity. Those are the type of things that I can really see becoming a problem for Pitt down the line. But they also could become an asset because as you're probably thinking, well, wait a second, Chris, if there's so many weapons on the field, isn't that, doesn't that make it harder for the defense to cover? Absolutely. And that's why I still think, that's why I said from the jump. I think Pitt has a really good chance to repeat as ACC Coastal champs. I don't know about conference champs. I want to see how everything else shakes out with other programs. There's always Clemson. They can always find a way to get better. And Pitt did win their fair share of close games last year. Virginia, North Carolina. I mean, heck, the Tennessee win, even though that wasn't a conference win. you know. But you go back to some of those close wins that they won that in, in the way they did. And you're thinking, man, that was uh you know, that they were they they it was it was a great job by them, but you know, a couple bounces this way, a couple bounces that way, what if that goes in the other direction and they don't win? And then we're we're all sitting around saying, Well, Pitt didn't do the thing again this year. So sometimes it comes down to it. And and this year I think it could be another one of those years. They're gonna have to face Brennan Armstrong again in Virginia. I mean, heck, North Carolina, not saying that North Carolina's gonna be a threat, but if you remember that game. I was talk. I was chatting with Brooke Pryor of ESPN. Uh, we're good buddies on the Steelers beat, and um, she's a you know she's a UNC grad, and she was there at Heinz Field, and she was there for when overtime came, and when 
Pitt had the ball, it was, you know, the 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 storm. Well, you know, it was it was stormy all night long. It was and it was it was raining. When Pitt had the ball, it kind of lightened up a little bit, not a whole lot, but you know, a little bit. But when North Carolina got the ball, it started pouring down, and she was like, "Wow, this is crazy." And you know, Brooks, UNC fan, she wasn't like hating. She was just like, "Man, that's this this is one of those days." But imagine if the rain had been coming down harder, and it had messed with Pitt's chemistry and Lucas Kroll doesn't pull in that catch. All those little things could happen. But again, I think that a lot of this this year's story on offense is going to come from balance, from Frank Signetti Jr. figuring out how to make sure that he's working enough, enough targets to all his different receiving options because they do have a lot of them, how they're making sure they're splitting up the carries between three running backs because all three deserve them. And how to do that while still making the offense move the chains and get in the end zone. We'll get our first look-see this week. The spring practice is starting. I want to take a quick break here on the H2P podcast. Come back. We'll talk some pit hoops. They resume play against Duke Tuesday. The last ever ACC road game for Mike Krzyzewski. He goes goes up against one of his former assistants in Jeff Capel. But I want to talk about things that Jeff Capel's having to face right now. True problems if they aren't getting resolved soon. Chris Carter, stay with me. Be right back. Welcome back to the H2P Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here on DKPittsburghSports.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Carter Critiques. Read all my work at DKPittsburghSports.com on your Pitt Panthers. Now, I talked a lot about football balance and what we need to see from the offense because it's a loaded offense on that team. We'll talk about the Pitt defense maybe next week because I'll, I'll probably get some looks at those guys too. But let's talk about some Pitt basketball because I have been a big proponent of the concept, of the idea, of the notion that Jeff Capel should be allowed to work with this sophomore class that he has right now of John Hughley, Femi Odakali, Noah Collier, and William Jeffress. Now, again, I, th- I think a lot of this is how he builds off of them. This is, this is the last real nucleus I think he's going to have. Some of this might become you know part of the transfer portal like do people leave you know i've heard people speculate about john hughley leaving not people that are in the know just people that are just wondering about it i haven't seen any reason for john to leave john's improved this year he's still a featured part of the team it doesn't seem like there's any infighting that i've heard rumblings about i haven't seen the same things that i saw last year when covering you know xavier johnson and Audis tony and justin champagne and I, I get the sense that there's a there's a better connection around this team. So I'm not sure there's going to be an excess. I do think that there will be some players who probably transfer out, you know, guys that aren't getting looks on the, you know, on, on you know, on the bench because um, Jeff isn't using that that many guys this year. But one thing that was evident to me, and I was, wasn't sure if Pitt would find a way to mitigate this, but when they were getting their butts handed to him by Miami last week, I was like, man, 
these guards. Oof. It's cool to have floor managers, guards, guys who can read the read the read the floor and distribute the ball and you know work the ball, work possessions and get longer possessions. That's cool to have. But if you don't have some explosive guys and some shooters, that's going to be a problem. Now, Ithiel Horton is probably the closest thing they got to a, a shooter who can hit from outside. I guess a shooting guard. He's not, not, you know, he's not a shooting guard. He's not a two. You know, he's designed to be a two, but you get my point. The bottom line for me for Pitt basketball is whatever Jeff does next year, and, I, and this was one of my last Pitt pieces that I wrote uh, heading into that game that Miami lost, was the potential of Jeff Capel having a full transfer portal class for his 2022 recruitment. Because I do think this the, these these Pitt Panthers he's going to he's going to want to make sure that next year he's trying his best to prove that he that, that his way can can eventually work. And it's not right now. I'm not trying to say that it is. But he needs to be able to cut to have guys who can press who can press the defense who can slash who can attack you had that in Johnson and Tony but you also need shooters you also need big guys last year they had you know they they had a shooter in Ithia Horton who could occasionally hit you know Johnson could occasionally get hot from deep Champagny was your beast but you didn't have any big man and partially that was because Hughley was suspended not partially that that's what it was But if Jeff Capel wants to show anything, you know, he's going to go up against a Duke team that's extremely athletic, that's going to press Pitt in all, on all ends. I wouldn't be surprised if Pitt found a way to show up in this game and actually give Duke a hard time. But I also would be surprised if Duke ran them out the ran them out the gym because they're that athletic. And the two teams that gave Pitt the most fits recently, Georgia Tech and Miami, that's what they do. Their guards are athletic. They press you. They go for steals. They create turnovers. And they work the fast breaks. I, I, I said that before the Miami game. I said, listen, the biggest thing that they're going to have to watch out for, Miami has the best tur best turnover dif differential in the ACC. Pitt has the worst. And lo and behold, that's what took the game out of hand. So Jeff Capel's going to need to find some guards. And I, this is not an indictment of Burton and Femi, Burton and, and, uh, Femi Otakali because I think both of them are solid. I think Femi has to limit the turnovers, but there's times when he turns it on, when he starts to figure himself out, he can he can be a playmaker. And he can be a facilitator. Burton, I think, is a good, strong, tough leader. He just can't make shots consistently. But he's a, he's a guy you do want on your team. I'm, intri I'm intrigued to see with Nike Zabande committing back to the team to return. And you think if your Horton's going to do, you have so that means you'll have all four guys potentially next year back. And maybe if you can just get one explosive combo guard type of guy. And you need a big man to replace what Mo did. And maybe maybe you find that guy. But you do those two things, I think Pitt basketball can be in a much better situation to compete. Because the biggest thing I think that they have problems with on offense is spacing. They can't hit they can't hit from deep too often. No one's scared of their shooting ability, and no one's scared of how fast someone might crash it, crash, slash through, and 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 break a defense. 
The one thing that teams are truly afraid of is John Hughley, and they'll double-team him all game long until you find another way to beat him. Now, I'm intrigued to see how Jeff gets gets these guys to play against Duke. They're uh, Duke, Duke's one of the best teams in the country. And they'll have had a full week of rest leading into the game, so fatigue won't be a thing. And we'll get to see how they play this out. I do think that Jeff Capel, with if if things had kept going the way they were going when they lost to Citadel and UMBC early on in the season, if things hadn't progressed from there, I'd be more like, okay, they need to they need to find whatever donor they can get to do the the buyout thing. But they haven't. Pitts fought back. Pitts been competitive. Then they've they've been resilient. Because they faced a lot of problems this year. And some of them are normal problems. Some of them are just injuries. But some of them are also, you know, the Ithiel Horton situation. Some of them are, you know, losing your coach 15 minutes before you play BC, Boston College. And bef- and then and then also, you know, having to hop on a plane at the last minute to go to Boston College because the game was moved. And then that game was pushed back, which messed up, you know, your time your timing pra- time and practicing for the next game. And then you didn't even get a chance to warm up for that game because your plane was late because of, of the ice, of the snowstorm. And those aren't excuses, those are just facts about what they've gone through this year. And they haven't made excuses for themselves. And I think that's another reason why I I trend a little bit better on Jeff Capel than most people. But I do agree that he is on, mm, I wouldn't say thin ice yet, because the thin ice, the, he's on thin ice, but the thin ice ain't going to be about this year. The thin ice is going to be about next year. And that's why I'm saying like he's not on thin ice right now. But he knows that no matter what happens next year, if, if if somehow you know, I'm just naming naming names. Like Efton Reed was the five star center that that Pitt thought they might have a chance at last year. If somehow Efton Reed transferred out of LSU and joined Pitt, that wouldn't fix nothing. Like if they if they went and got two five star recruits, you know, in the in the high school band, and everyone's like, man, well Jeff Capel did that. If they don't put it together next year and at least be competitive in the middle of the ACC and finish with a winning record. Even if they miss the tournament, just show that kind of progress and show it in your sophomores and that class and that nucleus that you've built. That'll be when I think it's like, okay, now you need to Pitt needs to do whatever it can to make sure that they 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 do another coaching search. But like I said, I think that the the things that will decide that aren't happening right now. Right now they have to close out strong against Duke, Notre Dame, and the ACC tournament. Be nice to see them win more than one game in the ACC tournament because that's all they've ever done with, with Capel. It's really all they've ever done with anybody recently. But again, as, as I've said all along, this year ain't about this year. This year is about next year. Get those young guys the experience they need. Let them understand what it takes to, to play ball against this this level of competition this late in the season. And who knows, maybe they get some cool ACC tournament experience and some of those guys come back for it better. But the thin ice that Jeff Capel's on, you won't see, I don't think you'll see any cracks in it or any attempts that or anything that could crack it happen until next year when Pitt basketball's playing playing and figuring out who they are with that team. We'll see how they start off the rest the rest of this season as they take on Duke at the peak this Tuesday night. 
I'll be there covering it for DK Pittsburgh Sports. I hope you'll be there too. If you are, come by, say hi. There's se- there's several of our of our of our uh, our readers who, uh, who who stop by and say hi, wave and everything uh, while I'm there. I'm always in the the the, the press box portion. Um, you know, right? It's about it's about it's like the section of it's like a, it's two sections above the zoo. So uh, if you're if you're ever at the pit game, you can always stop by and say hi. But thanks again for listening to the H2P podcast. I'll be again. I'll be at the Southside facility for pit football practice this Monday, and then back in it, and then in the uh, in the Pete Tuesday night. So it's going to be a busy pit week. If you if you like if you like hearing pit news and getting new stuff, this will be a fun week for you because there's going to be a lot going on. I'm Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read more at DKPittsburghSports.com. Subscribe to all of our podcasts here on the DKPittsburghSports.com podcast platform by going to Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts or anywhere podcasts are hosted. Thanks again for listening. I'll be back in your ears with another H2B podcast next week, probably talking about how this team took on Duke, Notre Dame, and giving you my first look at the football spring practices. See you then.